In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. amen. Please be seated. Good morning, St. Andrews. Good morning. For those of you I've not had a chance to uh, speak to personally, my name is Marianne, and I am honored to serve as the Bishop of the Diocese of Washington, which extends all the way down to St. Mary's County, and I'm thrilled to be here. If you are, as I am today, a guest in worship, please know that this is an extraordinary community of faith, and you have joined us on a wonderful day. I bring greetings to you from your many friends and admirers of, from diocesan leadership and from your 88 sister congregations um, who serve God alongside you. Now, I have to say that St. Andrews will always have um, a special place in my heart. You may recall, those of you who are here, that you were my first parish visitation on the weekend after I was ordained bishop three years ago. And um, I have to confess that a lot about those early days of my life as bishop are a complete blur to me now. But I will never forget your kindness and your hospitality. And I remain deeply grateful for the spiritual depth and friendship of your rector. Beverly Weatherly, the leadership of your senior warden, Don Schramm, and for so many of the congregation that I have had the privilege to come to know. And what a gift to be here to celebrate St. Andrew's Day at the time when we are confirming and receiving into the Episcopal Church so many of your community. Now, when I was a teenager, the priest of the church I attended said something that I have never forgotten. And he told me, and the group of us who were gathered around him, he told me that the most important decision in my life was not if I would choose to believe certain things about Jesus. Rather, he said, the most important decision I could make for my life would be whether or not to follow him. As Jesus walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who's called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, and he said to them, follow me. Now, at the time, I wasn't quite sure what to make of what my priest was saying to me, but I, I knew that it was important. And I think what he meant was, you know, you can believe all the right things about Jesus, whatever they are, and it won't necessarily change anything about you. Believing things about him won't necessarily make you a more loving person, a more forgiving person. Believing things about him won't inspire you to give generously to those in need or to do something brave when called upon. But when you decide to follow him, everything changes. And the difference between believing things about Jesus and actually following him 
is something like the difference between reading a book about love and falling in love yourself. Or the difference between studying the art of skydiving versus actually jumping out of a plane with a parachute on your back. Now, of course, to be fair, it's hard to follow someone you don't know, which is why most of us as Christians start our conscious journey of faith. There's a whole bunch that happens without our awareness, but our conscious journey of faith by learning things about this guy. That's why your parents insist, those of you who are still under your parents' house, that's why they insist that you go to church and attend confirmation class, why we spend time in church every Sunday reading from the accounts of his life found in the Bible. It's important to know some things about Jesus. So what do you know about him? Here's some of what I know. Jesus was born in the land of Palestine during the reign of Herod the Great. Stories about his birth, which of course we celebrate at Christmas time, are wondrous, the stuff of legends. He grew up in a town called Nazareth, and he emerged as a public figure in his early 30s, rising up out of a movement started by a man named John, John the Baptizer. Jesus had a ministry of teaching and healing that lasted about three years, focused primarily around his hometown in the lake region of Galilee. But he made a fateful decision to bring his message and his little band of followers to Jerusalem, which was the center of political and religious power of his day. And there, he openly challenged the religious leaders of his people, which did not sit well with them. He also aroused the suspicions of the Roman authorities, and that led to his crucifixion, a form of death that the Romans reserved for two classes of people, insurrectionists and escaped slaves. Jesus dedicated his life to helping people know God and to know God deeply and intimately as a loving father. And wherever others put up barriers between them and God, Jesus told them that those barriers were not important. He had very simple messages. You know them. Love your neighbor as yourself. Not only your neighbor and your friends, we're to love our enemies. Blessed are the poor. Forgive, not seven times, but 70 times seven. And the point of that is if you're still counting, you've missed it, right? <laughs> Come unto me, all that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. You shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. Most of the time, though, Jesus told stories, right? 
Stories of buried treasure and lost coins, um, lost children, sowers in the field. He told a story about a good Samaritan, which would be like us telling the story about a good terrorist now. I'm not kidding. He told a story about a man who had two sons. More than anything, Jesus wanted people to know two things. God's overwhelming love for us and our need to accept that love and let it flow through us. And now there are some miracles associated with Jesus' life, right? Loaves and fishes becoming food for thousands. Blind men regaining their sight. Sick children rising from their beds. Hard-headed tax collectors transformed into humble followers. Fishermen who had not the ability to put two sentences together turned into eloquent disciples. Jesus lived in such a way that people believed when he spoke of God's love that he knew something about God's love. And they believed him because he loved. He loved so freely. His heart went out to everybody, no matter if they were rich or poor, young or old, saint or sinner. In fact, he had a preference. If he, got to, if he had to choose between hanging out with saints or sinners, who'd he pick? He picked the sinners. We're lots more fun. <laughs> he knew that everyone had a need to belong, and he encouraged those who had means to invite the poor and the crippled and the lame and the blind to their tables. He especially loved children. And he hated injustice because of what it did to the most vulnerable people. He also hated, he really hated, hypocrisy for what it did to the human soul. Now that's that's who he was when he lived on this earth. And I, I want you to know these things about him and to be able to tell his story because it helps us understand why our ancestors, our forebears, began to speak about him in terms that got more and more elevated. They began to see in him one in whom, as St. Paul said, in whom the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. And they, began to, they came to this extraordinary conclusion that in Jesus, we not only saw someone who was like fully human, but also God. And after his death, after his death, something extraordinary happened. We call it resurrection. And that's the mystery of our faith. But part of what it means, part of what resurrection means for us is this, that while Jesus died a physical death, as we all do, his spirit lived on and was passed on through us, through human beings, who, when they gathered in his name, felt his presence among them, and when they lived their lives, they felt his presence with them. 
And so when we read about him and when we gather in his name and when we sit in the quiet of our hearts, something happens. We hear him call our name. Beverly, Don, Jay and Laura, Marianne, Zachary, Kathleen. And it's not a voice of judgment that calls, is it? It's a voice of incredible love. Incredible love. And then something like, follow me. And one of the first times I remember hearing this voice, um, and it wasn't like, you know, Marianne. It wasn't like that. It, it, was, in, it was inside, and, and I, could have, I could attribute it to a million other things, right? I mean, that's the thing about it. You could, attribute, you could explain it away with a hundred other perfectly rational explanations, but I was about 17, and it was a time in my life when I was up against some of the hardest decisions I had to make in my life up to that point. Um, and I had to make them alone. It was a decision that would require my leaving my home, my school, my friends, and my first love. And I did not want to go. Um, but I knew, as sure as I knew anything, that I had to. Um, and what I... What's important to me now as I look back on that time is how afraid I was and also how clear. And in part, I was clear because I heard something like, follow me, and I knew that I wasn't alone. Now, following him can be as simple as simple. It can be as simple as allowing his love to guide us, his teachings to inspire us, his the, and, and gathering in the community that bears his name to support us. And I've been listening all morning to you all talk about how much this community of faith supports you. Following him involves listening to that voice inside you and the ways he can speak in and through other people and the circumstances of our lives. There are two ways I'd like to suggest to you that you can always know, without fail, that you're following him. And the first is this. This is when, as I alluded to in my life, when you're up against something really hard, when life gets really, really hard, and you would do anything to avoid what's being put in front of you right now, but you can't. In fact, you have tried everything you can do to avoid what's in front of you, and you can't. Following Jesus in that moment means, hear me now, it means leaning into the pain and trusting that he's there with you. And I promise you, and you all know this from your own lives who have been there, when you do that, you're always shown a way because you're following him. 
The other way you can know you're following him is when you're at a crossroads and you have a decision to make and you aren't sure, sure what to do, if you pay attention to what inspires you and gives you joy and makes your heart beat faster, if you follow that, you're following him. It doesn't mean you're going to succeed at everything because inspiration often leads to failure, but when you're following it, you don't care because you're following what's true to your heart. And failure or success matters far less than paying attention to that path. And when you do that, failure is never the final word, and Jesus is guiding you somewhere that you, only you, can go. Now, I'd like to say a word to those being confirmed and received into the church today. And I said this earlier, but I'm going to say it again so everybody can hear. The most important thing that you're taking away from today is the blessing of this day. Each one of you is cherished and blessed by God and by this community of faith and the blessing you will receive today will take you and be with you for the rest of your lives you may not feel it or you might confirmation is different for every person i get to pray and lay hands on my head and lay hands on your head um, your head and uh, pray with you but something will happen. Whether you feel it or not, I can't say, but you will f- something will happen. And that blessing will stay with you. And those of you who are being received, where, where did they go? Where are the receiving ones? Where are the ones being received? There you are. You are being welcomed into this community, honoring everything about where you've been and the spiritual communities you've been a part of, all that your life has meant thus far, and we welcome you into this communion, grateful for your gifts and your loving presence, um, and, and thanking God that you are among us. So, in closing, I want to say again, thank you. Take the time to know things about Jesus. Try to spend time with him every day, consciously invoking him, calling upon his presence, reading his word. And listen. Listen to your life. And ask yourself, as our forebears did, where am I being led to go? And how can I say Yes, to the one who calls me by name. Amen.